RadioNext.tv. It is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Cool Groove site, RadioNext.tv, Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio, there Dr. It is. Mark Eckle, there it Harold is. H.B. Bell, <laughs> just like a Swiss watch every Wednesday morning. That's it, man. Warping and whooping on the radio. How you doing, partner? Doing really good. Looking forward to this event here today because we've got some uh, two men coming in that have started a, a financial education uh, emphasis here in Indianapolis that's uh, going digital. Uh, it's going to, uh, to out to help people, families, uh, to get their financial house in order, literally. And uh, it's going to be a great show today. Awesome, awesome, man. And Josh Bach and Charles Gwynn have Coffee USA, uh, upstart financial literacy organization. And I'm telling you, Mark, this is so relevant in today's world. Yeah. Uh, the dollar right now seems to be in... Mm some bad shape right now so mm. we need to find out how do we work our money in the 21st century uh, the traditional methods that we might have used back when we were coming through yeah. uh, as far as playing the market and all all of this has changed so absolutely find out find out some very interesting information today about how uh to address financial literacy today uh but before we go take our musical break and get started we always have to recognize the great institution that sponsors this show Comenius institute so the, tell them a little bit about Comenius, please yeah Comenius Institute is one of 35 Christian study centers around the United States, and we line up uh, with uh, public institutions, public universities, and we come alongside Christian students for the most part who are just new to the public university setting, hearing new things uh, for the very first time, and helping them maintain a Christian outlook while they're in college. We also have all kinds of other uh, promotions going on through Comenius including this radio show, and we are always looking for not only listeners but supporters to uh, help us in our efforts through Comenius. We're doing all kinds of public engagements on a regular basis, not the least of which is doing radio interviews with Moody Bible Radio, and we are really glad to be partnered with them as well, HB. And glad to be partnered with you and Comenius, sir, and we're going to take a musical break when we come back. We've got our mind on our money and our money on our yeah. mind today. You're listening to Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio, right here on the Cool Groove site. RadioNext.tv, and we are live here in studio. Uh, I call it a sunny, cloudy day. You know, uh, you know, God's always out and the sun's always out. Sometimes the clouds cover, but we still out and we still working. Warp and Wolf Radio here on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. Very, very intriguing subject matter today, sir. Yes, absolutely. We're going to be talking uh, to begin with, uh, as we always do, uh, coming out of the book of Proverbs. And we want to emphasize... Uh, what it is that Scripture teaches about these kinds of ideas. Let me just throw out some uh, statements here from what Scripture teaches about uh, financial education. Here's, here's just a couple. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Wow, that's a pretty important and impressive idea. Treasures gained by wickedness don't profit, but righteousness delivers and an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. I mean, we could go on and on. All the way through Proverbs, HB, this stuff is just popping up all over the place. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I just <laughs> told you off air about the story with me at the horse track yesterday, mm. Dr. Eckler. That's probably why I didn't win that daggone horse that I picked in the beginning because <laughs> this is against the scripture that I serve. So interesting, interesting, Mark, when you mentioned that um, because I, I know in scripture that I do read um, and it doesn't say the word gambling, but basically it is talking about yeah. um, uh, trying to gain plenty 
off of no work. Exactly. This concept of gambling is uh, you're going to become rich quick. That's the whole concept behind the phrase rich quick schemes. And honestly, those things exist, I suppose, and sometimes that actually happens to some people. But quite frankly, for the main, for the everyday folk like you and I and everybody listening to us in the podcast, folks don't live that way. We have to live day by day. We have to live little by little. And that's the wonder and the brilliance of Proverbs that says, you know what, if you hang in there for 10, 20, 30 years and you keep doing this thing, it's going to pay off in the end. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I use this example all the time, especially with my young people, and tell them if you plant an apple seed today and go get the apple tomorrow, then look out. It's probably poison. It's not going to be good for you because apples don't grow that way. Success doesn't grow that way. Um, how you build your home doesn't happen that way. So, yeah. you know, time, patience, energy. All of that stuff matters. And th- and this goes to the issue of teaching financial education for students, for these young people that are coming up in the next generation, and how much we owe them to say to them, you know what, here, here are proverbial statements. This is the best way to live life. I know that you're looking out there and you're seeing all this stuff you'd really like to have. But patience, as you well say, endurance, perseverance, uh, getting there in the end might take time, but time is worth it when you don't have to pay huge credit card bills right now. Absolutely. Um, And and when we talk about credit, we're talking about um, gaining something that you don't have the resources to really handle at that time. So, you know, we even have to rediscover, uh, you know, what is credit and how important is it in, in the Think about what it means in terms of credit cards. Think about just credit cards for a moment. When you think about how much interest somebody's going to pay, ask you for, if you don't pay on time, it's seventeen plus percent, and magnify that across the board. It's unbelievable. And I tell everybody who asks me about money, I tell them two words: HB interest kills. And interest kills. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's kind of uh, crass. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we always take our subject matter from Proverbs. And I guess um, teaching Hebraic uh, in, in the book of Proverbs is, is the means and the focus of wholeness. Yeah. Um, and so how does this tie in to what we're talking about today as far as financial literacy and financial education for the, the students? This goes to something we're going to be talking with our guests about at the top of the next hour. I, I think this is huge, what they're doing. Um, they're basically saying to everybody, look, we we commit to emotional wholeness. We commit to physical wholeness. We're about exercise. We want to, you know, the play 60th for the NFL, whatever that might be. Uh, but we want to make sure that kids get financially whole. So when we talk about wholeness, we're talking about the, the tend or the, the movement toward uh, something that's going to give us completion. And when we think about completion, we're not talking about getting everything we want right now. We're talking about something that matters throughout the long haul of life. So when we talk about financial wholeness, we're saying to young people, if you live life with these certain principles... This is going to pay off in the end. If it's something that you want right now, it's not going to do it. To your point, HB, about the apple and the apple tree, it's going to be poison when you try to do it through credit. And, and you know what's scary right now, Mark, is that um, much like our uh, industrial age to information age, um, the financial world is kind of upside down as well. And we were just Mm. talking about this, uh, uh, the value of the dollar worldwide right now is is i think worse often it's ever been mm. as far as trading commerce and um exchange of what the rate of the dollar is um 
it's going to be interesting as we move forward. I mean, financial literacy is going to be important because we're learning some new things. And, right. And uh, uh, we're going to have to adapt and probably adjust to some different currencies. Isn't that out. the truth? I th- think this is really powerful for everybody to hear, Christians in particular. You know, bottom line to everybody out there is change happens. So if you know that things are going to change and you can anticipate at least that that's going to happen, what should we be aware of? We should be aware of all the kinds of information that's around us, the kinds of knowledge that we have to use to apply to certain situations and events and people. And we ought to keep this proverbial wisdom of wholeness around us because, quite frankly, if we don't do that, uh, we're not... uh, certainly not abiding by what God says in his word, but we're not living in a way that's really practical to real life. And change is tough. Yeah, well, it I've is. I've gotten a good example. All right. Dr. Mark Eckle, I was trying to turn on the cryptocurrency for <laughs> you. You, you should have seen the body language and I was trying to put this new change up in your brain, brother. But you, you know, and on a serious note, it, the change is tough. And especially is tough. once you've been accustomed to yeah. doing things a certain way. And I think change becomes harder the older you get because yeah. the, the the natural act of complacency sets in. Oh, in man. Everybody's life. And we've been used to dealing in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't adjust to uh, things like cryptocurrency like we had to adjust to, first it was the cell phone. Now the phone is the wor- least used mm-hmm. part <laughs> of the cell phone. <laughs> of the cell phone. <laughs> the thing that you use the least is yeah. to talk on it um, yeah. right now. So we have to be ready and be adjusting uh, in the mind. And since we do faith-based programming, uh, and, and all of this is relative to the book of Proverbs, our culture markets contributed now. We've got more bankruptcies, more foreclosures, as you mentioned, that credit card debt. Yep. We've got cars that you can go out now and get a loan for seven years on a mm. car. Talk about this and how it's affected our culture. Man, I got to say, HB, this is not good, man. I, the last car that I bought, in fact, it, it was only the second uh, new car <laughs> that I've ever bought in my lifetime. Um, I bought it at 0% interest. So I'm always waiting. So part of part of the issue of the principles of finance is that you have to wait. You can't you can't always have things right when you want them. So when you're waiting, that means I'm waiting for the best deal to roll around. I've been watching for a year. Hey, they roll this out right around December, right around Christmas. I'm going to wait for that. And then I'm going to get 0% interest so that guess what? I am using the car company's money to pay. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't pay. Of course I pay. But that doesn't, I, I don't pay any interest. So when we think about interest kills and the concepts behind bankruptcies and foreclosures and people getting themselves in all kinds of trouble, the real issue that we face here is not the national debt. It's personal debt. It's our family debt, the kinds of things that we're racking up on our credit cards, things that we don't need, the reason why we keep our cars in the driveway and fill our garages with junk. I mean, how in the world can we do stuff like this? So, HB, when I think about this, when I think about the church's responsibility, the church must speak to these issues. Pastors must be speaking on this. And I'm not talking about holding out the, the plate for a second go around on the gift. I'm talking about how are we going to help people manage their money in the church as Christians. That's huge. And if the preacher is the one who is um, orchestrating this conversation and he must be talking to the parishioners and the families, uh, how much responsibility before we go to break, Mark, 
um, does the family have on taking this information and making uh, their situation right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this thing goes both ways, and I want to be sure to, to be generous and kind uh, to everybody that might be in financial trouble. If you're in financial trouble, then, you know, just contact us. We'll get you in touch with some really great folks. Alfred Weems III, for instance, can help you out, uh, help you through some of the problems. He's been on the show. We get you uh, hooked up in those directions. But quite frankly, we also bear responsibility. And I know that the word responsibility, people don't like that. But we need to take personal responsibility for our actions. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to say something I've already said three times. I'm going to say it one more time the fourth time. Wait. Be patient. You don't have to spend your money right now. There are things that are worth waiting for, and you can't always have everything you want right now. Well, I'm reading the book of Job right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you for affirming the book of Job, Dr. Mark. We are going to come back, and we're going to continue this conversation about finances, personal finances, what you can do uh, to maybe get your finances in order. Um, telling you right now, we have so many people who are struggling. Uh, it's ironic. I was watching the other day, and I was thinking about my little fledgling internet radio company mm-hmm. and some of the problems I deal with financially. And then I saw Toshiba, and I saw I'm looking at, uh, at the, the the Money Channel, and I'm watching all these big organizations, multi-billion dollar organizations. Mm-hmm laying off and mm. going through some some struggles and changes so yeah. uh when you think it's just you turn on the tv mm-hmm. and you'll feel just a little bit better about your mm-hmm. situation we're going to come right back and we are talking money today money 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 on warping wolf radio dr mark echo harold hb bell sit tight <laughs> Radio Next Out TV on the Cool Groove site, Warping Wolf Radio. Man, I love this cat in here. <laughs> Ma- thank you so much. You know, but no, we are talking money today, and we have some very candid conversations uh, when we're not on the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully I don't get this thing stuck one day and you get to hear some of it. But uh, we're talking about money, the responsibilities of not only the families, but the responsibility of the church when we're talking about finance. Yes. Um, and, and we do have a dilemma, Mark, that is coming up uh, uh, this 21st century, uh, I, I, I keep drawing attention to it, but we made a major switch from the industrial age to the information age, and it has caused all kind of havoc um, for older folks who have been used to something, That's right. ingrained in something. I'm, I'm, I'll, God bless if I get to make October 17, 59 years old. And that's pretty young mm-hmm. in today's society, mm-hmm. you know, because we've got some people, man, 85, yeah. 90, 95 years old who still have their faculties. And they were taught uh, another method and means of how to right. do financing, like when buying the house was the big deal. Mm-hmm. And now it's almost like if you buy a house now, you, you're trapped almost. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and so we have to rethink how we're going to present financial literacy mm-hmm. to this new generation of people. Mm-hmm. But the principles won't change right the fashion has but the principles won't and so you know we have to get back to understanding responsibility 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 uh and we left off talking about how much responsibility do individuals and families uh bear for their own financial stability and that is a tough that's a tough one right Mm -hmm. now it is and i mean because there are so many different situations that arise we got college loans that are just wrecking people we've got divorce running at a rate like never before Mm -hmm. uh we've got inflation that uh definitely uh inflation and cost of living and the cost of living outweighs what your wages i mean we got so much drama on this table when we talk about finances where do you think we start 
Yeah, I think we start with a, a very common uh, statement in Scripture, which is the word stewardship. So let me explain what stewardship uh, literally means. Stewardship uh, comes to us actually from uh, the pig farm. Uh, the pig farm, uh, the, the word for economics, uh, comes from this concept of taking care of pigs. And so when we're taking care of the pigs, when, and that just applies to everything, when you're taking care of whatever it is that you have, what's been given to you, then that's your stewardship. You bear responsibility for it. So i just give you some real simple examples. If you are not eating well, you're not stewarding the body that's been given to you. If you are letting leftovers go bad in your refrigerator, you're not stewarding the things that have been given to you. If you aren't taking care of your children and raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and taking good care of them and giving them baseline needs, you are not stewarding what's been given to you. So these kinds of ideas are really important to us. The idea of stewardship, whatever's been given to us, we bear responsibility to care for. And we bear it in two ways, HB. We bear it in what we produce with it and what, how we protect it. So we protect that which has been given to us, but we also produce from it. Both of those things at the same time. This is what Genesis 2.15 actually talks about. The concept of work uh, comes to us before the fall, before sin, and Adam was actually given responsibilities uh, to work before sin entered into the world. And this is a really common concern that we have then to say, God gave us this opportunity, whatever it might be, with our children, with our house, with our car, with our life, uh, with the things that we've been given, we bear responsibility for them. And that, I think, is the very first place that we start with. How do we care for that which has been given to us? And and that's a great place uh, to start. And then on the other side of the coin, and we were talking about uh, pastors, and we were talking about the families and the responsibilities that they have yes. um, in addressing financial issues. What about the politicians? What about mm. the bankers? I mean, this, this has to be reciprocal in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Right. Or... Um, those people trying to do the right things can just get overwhelmed and overrun with Absolutely. Uh, fees and, and different ways and tactics to manipulate dollars. Yeah, so we've talked about this in the past, uh, you and I and lots of guests that we've had on the program. We talk about systemic injustices. And one of the issues that I think we um, need to address in this particular program has to do with uh, kinds of policies that have crept up into banking institutions and into political gain. And one of the things that uh, we see all around us is how people are getting rich who are in positions of power. And that could be in the banking system, could also be in the political system. Now, no, I mean, we're, not, <laughs> we're not talking about everybody, of course. We're talking about folks that we know have made huge amounts of money simply because they are in the positions that they're in. And I'm going to say to everybody, banker, politician, or homeowner, or whoever you are, doesn't matter. You bear responsibility, not only for the care you take, have been given, uh, that, that you're supposed to give to the things that you've been given, but also for others. If there's one thing, HB, that we can say about the Christian view of life and things, it's this, that Christianity is others-centered. So we're, our concern is, how are we going to help people that we see are in need? What are we going to do for our brothers and sisters when we know they're in need? Do we just walk away and say, I'm going to pray for you? Or do we actually give them something to help them out? Ooh, boy, now that's a conversation, a show topic for another day. Yeah. Because you know how many of the Christians uh, practice that that premise, oh, practice my that, word. that rule. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I, 
I, we were talking about it earlier. I, I see people professing the name of God, and I'm mm-hmm. like, don't you understand the devil got skills? Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, yeah. you know, the devil can think have you thinking because you're making some uh, momentum yeah. in this tangible, I can feel it, see it, touch it world we live in mm-hmm. versus that faith-based field. They, that's God doing their work. And I'm like, a lot of times people beware. That's right. Beware and listen, because sometimes what you're praising and thanking God for <laughs> really ain't God's work. That's just that's another subject, but I'm just letting you know. Right well, let now. me just tag on to that and say this: that uh, there are multiple passages in Scripture. I just mentioned two to begin: uh, James two and First John three. Both of them say the same exact concept. If you see your brother in need, and you walk away from them and say, "I'll pray for you," but you don't do anything for them, then According to James and according to John, this is a sin, and this is something that separates us uh, in terms of our relationship with God. Absolutely, and that and it has no limit or no variance on your situation. That's right. Uh, you know, so that when we watch people, and I was listening to some of the relief help with Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, mm-hmm. and most of the, some of the most compelling stories I heard were from people who were already dealing in strife, giving. Yeah. Some more. So <laughs> ain't never time to stop. You know, that 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 rule never ends on on how to treat people or if you see somebody in need, uh, you know. Yeah. One more example. This one out of First Corinthians, chapter eight, uh, where Paul Paul's basically getting after the people in Corinth saying, look, y'all are rich over there and y'all need to pony up. And he then he but he starts in chapter eight, verses one to five. And he says, now, look. There are some poor folks over here, and they are given a ton, and they're poor. And how come you all can't belly up to the bar and pay the tab on this? What is going on with this? Now, that's Eccles' free translation, of course, but you get the basic point. Our responsibility, no matter who we are, we bear responsibility for others. But look, if you've got money and you can help others, let's make sure that happens. Absolutely. And uh, last question on this segment. Uh, Mark, we've been talking about the responsibility of the families, the individual responsibility, the responsibilities of the churches, uh, the responsibilities of the politician and the lawmakers. Uh, one one thing that I think has been left out is um, who's going to teach this? Yeah, exactly. And so if we are, are in a midst of a change, much like our educational system, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wonder why America's lagging so far behind in the mm-hmm. educational fields. We, we, we are slow to make change because of this complacency, I think. Yeah, so, so we have to build new kinds of concepts in terms of how education is delivered, and that's the key distinction here is the word delivered. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're dumbing down content. I'm not suggesting that you don't have to uh, do a lot of hard work. Uh, We're not suggesting any of that. But we're asking the question, how is it best to communicate to this generation in a way that's going to be compelling to them, but also something that puts the bottom line, something that they can reach? I think this is something that you have been doing for years, HB. Well, doing my best. Uh, but, But one of the things that we have to understand, too, is the psyche of the people that we're trying to teach mm-hmm. and the psyche of the people that we're trying to teach today, this millennial age group people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I hate to, to call one group of, cause I met so many phenomenal millennials, but the mindset seems to be instant gratification. Mm. I want it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not understanding how, um, time diligence and that patience thing that we talk about, whether it's in their career whether yeah. it's in money, whether it's in like getting a promotion on the job, whether it's in change in political mm-hmm. views, they want stuff now. Yeah. 
what do you think that we're up against as we continue to try to preach this patience and teach mm. this real fundamental way of growth? Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. The simple fundamental ways that things grow. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about education here. Just this funny thing crosses my mind to say. Uh, I've heard it recently said that uh, if you want to make sure that, that a millennial doesn't steal your car, then buy one with standard shift because they don't know how they to drive, know how to drive standard, yeah. standard shift. So we have to, but my point in saying that is that we have to put it in words and terminology and understanding that they get, they see the benefit of it, they understand, yeah, okay, maybe I need to pull back and I, I can't do this thing right now. But in two months or in two years or whatever, I can see this as the end result and fruition to this. I think we need to help them not only with the character qualities they need to, to sustain that idea, but also communicate in words and in pictures in ways that they get it. Okay. Well, we're going to take another break. But when we come back, I want you to ponder this, Dr. Mark. I'm going to give you some time. All right. I'm, I'm bringing the wood because we go here every <laughs> show. No, we go here every show because the beautiful thing about Dr. Mark Eckle and us, uh, myself is that uh, two different brothers from two different cultures mm -hmm. that spiritually are connected. Mm -hmm. And there's always the questions I have concerning the African-American culture yep. and the lack of resources. And when we start talking about money, um, how, how can we get people with no money understand how to work money? And so mm -hmm. you think about that All when we right. come back. This is Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site on RadioNext.tv. Radio we are live on Warping Wolf Radio at the Cool Groove site. RadioNext.tv every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you the best news that you can use uh, in the field. We are basing this program off of the principles and rules of Proverbs. Uh, without trying to dive too religiously into the conversation, but giving you some roots and some boundaries on what you need to know. And today, we're, we're in a subject matter today, man, talking about money. And, you know, that gets everybody a little heightened, yeah. a little bit anxious. And before we went on break, uh, Brother mm -hmm. Mark, I posed a question to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the cultural divide in this money thing. Yep. Um, and, and we have already discovered that uh, the African-American community is uh, working off of about, oh, 10000 dollars uh, net mm -hmm. income i guess or net assets versus a hundred and eleven thousand dollars for uh other communities mm -hmm. and we're talking about working our money so i guess the question would be how do we work money when you don't have money to work yeah this is something i think that uh everybody needs to sit up and take notice about uh, let me begin my answer by saying this i was sitting in the office of a pastor this last week and uh, he asked me a very straightforward question. This is a white pastor in a white church, and he said to me, how do I uh, make connections with black churches? And I smiled and I said, you need to get up out of your office and go meet with people where they are at. And this is the crucial concern, I think, for all of us. So if we want to talk about money, we want to talk about politics, we want to talk about cultural connections, whatever the situation is, we need to be able to communicate, communicate with folks. That means we have to be with them. One of the things I've learned, if I've learned nothing else in this life, it's that the incarnation of Jesus matters. And what, what the practical application for that is for us is that we have to be present in the lives of people. That means we have to be present in the city of Indianapolis. We have to be present in our neighborhoods, present in our families, present in our churches. So getting back to your question about the financial disparities between uh, the black culture and the white culture and any other cultures that might be invested in any of this, we have to ask, all of us have to ask ourselves a question. What responsibility do we bear to our brothers and sisters? 
Just before we went on break, we talked about various passages of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, James chapter 2, 1 John chapter 3. All of these passages say the same thing. We bear responsibility for those who are in difficulty, financial difficulty, or in need, but we also bear responsibility to give above and beyond what we normally give. So if we see somebody, let's say, for instance, in a disparity mode, why is it that we can't go out and hire these particular folks? Why is it that we can't make room in our organizations uh, for a diversity of folks that don't look like us? that maybe don't think like us. And quite frankly, we need cultural diversity. If we need know anything at all, HB, it is that there's a cultural intelligence that takes place, and we need the intelligence of other cultures in our culture. You know, the good and the bad about the hurricanes that we've just experienced and any of the uh, life-changing experiences that we wit- uh, witness um, is the spirit of the human <laughs> human being comes out all yeah. the time, and we watch it all the time. And I'm like, why do we have to wait until a crisis to mm-hmm. share this spirit of Isn't love that the and truth? the spirit of humanity? Um, and we need to just kind of work on that. I think <laughs> um, education. You know, yeah. uh, we've just had Josh Bach walk into the room, and we've got Charles Gwynn, and they were Coffee USA, and they are the financial literacy experts that you'll be talking to in the next hour. Uh, but with that being said, education, yeah. um, how do we best deliver education about financial literacy to all these different fragmented groups? Uh, we, we know we can't do it with a blanket. Right. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out who these are, much like you just said, we're going to figure out who the different uh, denominations and who the different cultures and who the different people are that we're talking to and learn how to exchange this information right. where it's palatable and useful. Sure. So I'll start again with another story. Uh, one of my black brothers lives in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he and I are writing a journal article for a peer-reviewed journal on the uh, theological foundations for the 20th century civil rights movement. I make this point and this comment simply to say this, that we have to, we bear responsibility. I'm thinking about myself as a white man at 60 years of age, and I'm looking at my black brother in his 30s. I'm thinking, what can I give to him that he might not have? The things that I have to give have nothing to do with finances. They have everything to do with ideas and positions of cultural influence. So, 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 and positions of cultural influence. If I'm, let's say, for instance, invested in a certain journal, I'm a book review editor, I'm going to get other people with other different points of view than mine invested in that same thing, get their ideas, get their perspectives, and then get them a byline so that when I pass off the scene, these young men are able to take that thing and run with it. Let me just say this about finances. It's exactly the same principle I'm talking about here. If you have the means, and if you have the, the how shall I say this, the intellectual acumen uh, to take people into a financial uh, direction that they may, maybe didn't know about before or they have no basis in understanding. This is all of what Proverbs is talking about. How do we come alongside other people to help them out, to lift them up, to give them the principles to live by, and then to give uh, a life-changing influence? And this is what education is. It's life on life. It's family on family. It's church on church. Cross the tracks, folks. Go find somebody that you can help and do that help. 
Well, you know, we've got a couple of more questions. You've hit some Please pretty, feel pretty free. Strong, no, you hit some strong <laughs> topics here because you mentioned family, you mentioned church. Yep. Uh, two of those things don't even exist hardly in the family uh, right. atmosphere anymore anyway. Yep. Uh, so I understand that I lacked getting education on finances because of the dynamic in my family growing right. up. Um, and I'm no different than probably about 75 or 80 percent of the young people growing up. We're not sitting at the table mm-hmm. uh, talking to our kids about a savings account. We're not sitting at the table talking to our children about the budget. We're not doing that. Yeah. And that is pretty much the precursor. That that should be the, the, the foundation of where we learn everything or not everything, but but what finances are. Right. Yeah. What do we do now to try to get the family back into that that mode of, okay, when when you first get your first dollar allowance, we're starting to teach financial literacy from that first dollar that you've been granted. Let me uh, get myself in some trouble. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just come right out and say this. I touched on this in an earlier answer in another segment earlier in the show. Um, I'm going to push this back on the churches, the responsibility that the church has, the responsibility that pastors have, uh, and I'm going to say this, the responsibility that men have uh, to reach out to young men and uh, their families to help them understand what it means to step up and take responsibility uh, for the things that they have. Uh, In a couple of weeks, HB, uh, we're going to have a whole show dedicated, I think it's the first week in October, we're going to have a whole show dedicated to what does it mean to, to have black men in leadership? And we're going to have a whole bunch of folks come in here. Uh, Terrell Sarver, uh, if you're out there listening, Terrell, thanks for helping me with uh, organizing this. We're going to have a whole bunch of folks uh, stepping up to the plate, stepping up to the microphone, speaking about this particular issue. If you're going to ask me how do we go about doing this, we're going to say this over and over and over again. We need male role models. We need men who are willing to say in the church, pastors, elders, deacons, whoever you are, we need you out there to come alongside young families, to come alongside young men, to mentor them, to help them, to disciple them, to give them the kinds of tools that they need to live a life that's proper and prosperous, not just in a financial set, but in a wholeness set. We come back to something else I said earlier in the show. The Hebraic concept of wholeness, shalom, this is what we're after. HB, I think it really is life on life is what we're all about. So I guess change is what we're talking That's about. That's it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to meet Coffee USA. Josh Bach, Charles Gwynn are in the studio today over here at RadioNext.TV. And all I can say is dollars are cool, but change makes sense. We're going to come right back. You're listening to <laughs> I can't help it, man. You know how I roll, big brother. I'm just that way. We'll be right back. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. <laughs> Oh, my word. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon, and we're really happy uh, always to be promoting the same thing every single week, and that is the emphasis from Titus chapter 3, to do good. We uh, emphasize that because the commands are there, do good, do good, do good, out of Titus chapter 3. We are looking for Christians and Christian groups or uh, Christian-focused emphases throughout uh, Indianapolis who are doing good in the community. And certainly we have uh, that kind of organization here uh, today. We're talking to Coffee USA, and uh, we have uh, Charles and Josh in the uh, studio with us here today. And we're going to be asking them some questions just basically about uh, their uh, role in the community and what they do. But uh, Josh, Charles, let's start out by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your families, 
maybe your church communities as well. So excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to sit down. As I, as I was sitting there uh, listening to your topics, I mean, it warms my heart because these are the type of topics of really hitting it to the core. Mm-hmm. Because that's really why coffee exists. We want to be able to break down what money is to the root of roots. Mm. And uh, when we really take a look at the fundamentals of what money is, it's an agreed-upon unit of measurement. Mm. With that, we've wrapped a lot of emotions <laughs> attached to it. Money is uh, so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. But one of the core elements of it, let's get to know it. Let's get mm. to know what the purpose is of it, how it plays a role in our lives, and allow us to be able to communicate with one another mm. so we can build each other up with the knowledge of, of money. Mm. So very honored to be here. I'm, um, the gentleman sitting right next to me, I want him to speak majority of the time because he's got wisdom that comes out of his mouth on a regular basis, and he's humble, and he hated that I just said that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but bringing Charles on, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. We've, we were approaching four years of existence, and it really, it really was created out of just watching and witnessing what had taken place in the recession. Mm. Um, and that's on a personal level, okay. witnessing what took place in my household mm. and, and witnessing, really seeing so many different people that have struggled. And, and when you take that money away from the scenario with people getting laid off and, of course, foreclosures hit the roof and, you know, people are really struggling in so many different ways. But if you really were to break down some of those root causes, it's the lack of the safety nets needed. Mm. Uh, how do I rebuild quickly? How do I take a tragedy or emergency situation and rebound? Mm. And a lot of that really truly comes from that that knowledge mm. uh, moving forward. Now, a uh, couple years into coffee, we grew very quick uh, on a national level, um, uh, up to 27 states that, we, that coffee. We were mm. teaching classes in libraries, churches, schools, uh, and organizations. But it, it wasn't until... We brought Mr. Charles Gwynn along uh, with his background in, in, in community, which is so extensive. I, I don't want to take his thunder because we want to talk about that because it really ties in with our mission as well with, with coffee. Mm. But it wasn't until we brought him on board that we really started to dive deep into let's let's focus in on our neighbors. Let's mm. focus in on, on the individuals in our backyard, the people that we work with, the people that we, you know, our kids go to school together, you know, and, and, and work that way before mm-hmm. we really start expanding to all 50 states and so um, mm. having him on board is amazing yeah well we're grateful for you both being here charles what do you have to add to this uh, what your connection com- to community as josh uh, suggests here what is that uh, what is your responsibility here at, at coffee well I, I am currently the executive director uh, for community outreach for financial education coffee with one e uh, and my interest level really began at the t- first uh, as soon as I met Josh, and he explained what they were doing. Uh, my experience in the community goes back many years. Uh, started out with uh, Andrew J. Brown over at Missionary Baptist Church, along with Tommy Brown, and the and meeting with Dr. Martin King uh, generally about once a month when he was coming into town doing some organizing things like that. And so I started to understand clearly uh, how to, uh, I guess, approach situations in the community, bring it to uh, 
uh, a kind of a common area where people could understand it. They'll speak over, don't speak under, but speak specific. Uh, so when finance was the issue, I knew finance. I'm the oldest of, of, of 22. My mother had 22 children. Oh, my word. <laughs> so to say the least, budget <laughs> yeah. was always uh, around. We did, But we never spoke specifically about it. Mm. Uh, and I think that that's where coffee comes in. Mm. We go to where where those persons are, and we start to uh, clean out those old faux pas mm. as to why why I'm running away from what money is and what budgets are and what responsibilities are. What is uh, the problem with keeping up with the Joneses and all those kind of things that come into place? And in 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 our community, there there are differences. Uh, you always bring up racially, but there are d- definite differences between how the mindset of, uh, on how to handle money is different from the other group that may handle money differently. Uh, and we're finding out the same thing in, 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 the, in the white families. They're, they're not talking about it at the dinner table mm-hmm. or those places either. Uh, it's just one of those topics that people want to avoid because they don't have to confront their their negative attitudes or some of the things that they learned coming up or did not learn coming up, they don't have to confront it. So it's easier just to kind of shelf, you know, push it off to the side, not knowing by doing that, that they just increase their problem. Mm. And also it looks toward disaster and failure again. So when I, when I got with Josh and we started to talk about uh, my role at coffee, I came in as uh, the director of development, because when you're a not-for-profit, you're always in the fundraising mode, and that's one of the things I came in at. But uh, to my surprise, one morning I walked in and Josh says, no, we really would like to see you as the executive director. So I've taken that on. I was, not to go on, I, do, I, I, you know, I don't want to take all the time here, uh, but I, I, the importance of what I heard you speaking of, uh, Mark, earlier as it relates to the church. Mm. Uh, I'm church-rooted, mm. and obviously I'm with uh, A.J. Brown and Tommy and uh, Dr. King uh, and many other uh, ministers in the city and priests. Uh, I got a bird's-eye view of their thought process. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, and I'm there, those ministers are out there, don't kill me, a lot of you know me, uh, <laughs> they missed the boat on how mm-hmm. to actually uh, uh, commit what they're doing to their congregations in that, you know, this is why, this is money, um, and this is how we need to approach it. Not always this, you know, on a tithing basis or this or that, but how... They can tithe more if they've taken care of their own situation, mm-hmm. the bottom line, uh, and uh, confront the fear uh, that the congregation may have as it relates to uh, finance uh, and how to utilize the concepts of finance, and there's so many of them. Uh, when you speak of it in a racial standpoint, the, and I said the difference, the one is that uh, if you're always... Uh, at, at second strike at the base, and I know it sounds like you're, you know, that I'm blaming uh, situations, and I am, uh, the, the race didn't begin equally. Mm-hmm. The 100-yard dash didn't start. Everybody at the 100 yards, you know, it was like uh, 
the this congregation or this group, you start at the 50-yard line, and many of the African-American families, you start at the beginning, mm-hmm. and the gun goes off. Well, the chances of you passing those people at the 50-yard line are not very good. Yeah. And so you come in second, third, or you don't even finish the race, you get frustrated. Mm. And that frustration is what breeds anger, mm-hmm. discontent, stress, and all the other things that we hear about. And, you know, in a short time, you can't explain to other people who just simply say, oh, they're always doing this, or we're always, and they're not understanding that there's a cause and effect relationship to why uh, certain groups act the way they do. Mm. Uh, the same thing happens in, uh, in those, those uh, families that are socially and economically above. I mean, they make more money, but they're still making mistakes. They just don't register the mistakes the mm. way maybe those that are downtrodden are, are measuring them. It's still mm. tragedy. Mm. So uh, those are the kind of things. And doctor, we're working with Dr. King and with, with Tommy and, uh, and with Reverend Mary J., uh, when we sit down and organize, uh, we would look at the topic. And what Dr. King put emphasis on was know and understand your group. Know and understand the frustration, even if you have to go through it yourself. Mm. Many times, uh, I was a youngster then, I was always, I think, <laughs> the guinea pig or the scapegoat, whatever. I, he, <laughs> he put me in a lot of situations <laughs> with Tommy, because Tommy was a young guy too at that time, where my job was to do the investigative work, okay. if you will. Yeah. Let's go in and find out why this particular issue is uh, so irritating, causing uh, uh, all kinds of confusion and anger. Find out what that is. Do that research. Come back, mm. and then uh, Dr. <coughs> King and, and AJ would start to formulate how we're going to approach it. Mm. So it's the same thing with this finance. When we when we we're talking about finance and we're talking about whether it be in the inner city or whether it be in the most affluent areas of town, <coughs> we got to get away from one thing. And I, I think I heard you say that, Mark. And that is, that the, the, it's not the racial thing; it's the economic thing. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is we've allowed the, the racial thing to get in front of a lot of very right. important things because we're stuck on that, that old thing. Even, you know, some of the things that are happening in our current situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to think about <clears throat> the basics of, uh, of finance if you weren't about things related to race and all those kind of things because those become, uh, they, they impede your ability to go forward because you're thinking mm-hmm. about the other thing rather than the most important thing on your on your plate. Mm. What we are are doing at Coffee and our approach uh, in putting together uh, different companies, uh, we're going to the uh, HR departments or the CEOs of those companies and offering our service free to their employees uh, who want to understand the basics because one of the one of the big or side effects of not understanding finance is stress. If you're stressful, guess what? Your productivity goes down. If your productivity goes down, your your ability to profit goes down. Mm-hmm. So our approach is, look, we, we can come in, we can do several classes, but when I say classes, that sounds boring. So it's not really <laughs> class, it's interactive. We, we're kind of creative with this, uh, this guy sitting next to me. I call him the dreamer. You know, he reminds me a lot of the atmosphere I came from. Mm. You know, if you've ever been around Dr. <clears throat> King, if you ever been around Dr. King, he was a consummate dreamer. A.J. Brown, dreamer. And they looked around for the doers. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what happened with, with Josh and myself. He dreams, and I do the best <laughs> I can. Uh, we have a thing around the office when his face turns red, and he goes, sets back, and his eyes kind of roll in his head. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are good ideas. <laughs> but I, you know, the, the initiative that we have now is to go into the companies, uh, get with the HR or the CEOs or whoever makes the decisions, and start to set up these classes, starting with the very, we're not talking about let's get into the checking out. No, we go, very, way, we start way before that. Talk about the, the concepts. What is a commitment? Uh, and most people answer that. Okay, how does that commitment relate to your finance? Mm-hmm. What is the uh, effects of your lack of commitment? How does that affect your family? Ultimately, how does it affect your community? Uh, so we get into those kind of things. And after we are, uh, we feel comfortable there, we start to introduce some of the tools that you that everyone should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people hear about road, uh, about, about uh, insurance. The first thing they do is run the other way, but they don't understand <laughs> that some of those things are very important. Yeah, uh, the different financial packages. Uh, we got a lot of people who worrying about final expense because they didn't earlier on get the proper uh, insurances and and have not saved properly, so they're not prepared for the death. Mm. And you got to remember, dying means that you are actually probably in many cases putting that on your offsprings, your wife or your husband, your children. Uh, so we, we, we go into all those those points. So that that's brief for me. I'm the oldest of 22, been around uh, the city of Indianapolis all my life. I taught uh, nine years at St. Rita, uh, uh, down the street from A.J. Brown and, and uh, the Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, been very, very, very involved in uh, Indiana Black Expo. I was its treasurer for 17 years, way too long, but that's where I was. And uh, during that time, just learned a lot of things. And mm. when, I, when coffee came my way, I did no hesitation. As mm. a matter of fact, the recruiter sitting in, the, in this meeting right now, the person that actually got me here, oh, Joe back there <laughs> sitting on the, on the couch there, he's the one who got me. Uh, he was real clever in how he did it. I don't know if he planned it that way, but... <laughs> That's the way the, the Lord wanted it to work out because it's worked out for me. Well, one of the things that we want to do when we come back after our radio break here <clears throat> is come back to this issue of actually going to the workplace. This is a fascinating concept. You're going into the workplaces. When everybody thinks about how is it that we're going to meet the most people go where they work. That seems pretty obvious, but you guys have actually done that. Uh, We're going to come back and talk to Josh and Charles some more about uh, their actual procedure in that process. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. And every week we bring you a new group, new individuals, uh, new companies, new institutions, that are doing good in Indianapolis. And this week, we are thrilled to have Coffee USA with us. Uh, in this particular institution, uh, we're talking about folks who are actually doing financial education. And just before we went on break, Josh and Charles, you both were discussing uh, the issue of how you actually initiate and institute these connections with folks. And you actually go right to the companies themselves. I, this really fascinates me because, quite frankly, not an awful lot of folks think this way. They go right to where most everybody is at work. So tell us about the process and the procedures that you follow 
to get folks invested in wh- what you're trying to give to them, which is a financial education? Well, th- this is this is an exciting part of our development as coffee is to, to be able to really launch this here in central Indiana. So we've created a platform called the Central Indiana Financial Education Initiative where it is meeting individuals where they're at. Mm. So the business pl- platform is, is a, a very large a wonderful way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's captive audience. Um, but the key is, more than anything else, is, again, like you said er- earlier on in the show, meeting individuals where they're at. That's our, mm-hmm. that's our role and job as leaders is to meet individuals where they're, where they're at. <clears throat> so by being able to get a good feel, if we find a, a company or organization that wants to bring a culture of financial education into their company as a, as a benefit, as a perk, what we do is start from the basics. By meeting them where they're at, we do surveys to where we find out, you know, we've got roughly 40 different class topics we currently have. We're adding mm-hmm. them continually. Mm-hmm. But we find out out of those class topics, which are the subjects that you are the most interested in learning about mm-hmm. that we can help expand upon. And from that point, then we figure out a route uh, through lunch and learns or ways that we can integrate within the company a uh, very small amount of time, but I think very concentrated period of time to be able to teach those classes to those individuals that want to learn about those topics. Mm. And I think I think it's important not to just assume mm. that an individual needs to learn about this or learn about that, but by, by, by really doing that survey and finding out what they want and then providing with what they, they need, I think they're going to get more of a buy-in to be involved as well. Mm. Give us a, just a snapshot of, of some of what those classes might be. Give us two or three examples of what might be the kinds of things that you would do at a lunch and learn or some kind of connection for folks. Some of the topics that we're seeing that's probably more common um, than anything. Of course, there's a wide range of them, but um, understanding credit is a very big mm. area. You know, and how, mm. yeah, yeah, understanding Social Security for individuals that are, that are moving in that retirement phase. Mm. Um, getting out of debt. Mm. You know, figuring out creative ways to snowball and, and, and really put their finances in order. Um, I, th- I think those final, final expense. Uh, final expense is, is is key, and, and it all depends upon the demographics of the of the employers as well. Mm. Mm. Um, but well, actually, the the questionnaire kind of dictates uh, the type of what well, we develop. We develop a syllabus and then a lesson, mm. kind of a lesson plan for the educators that are involved, so that we hit the topic that. Uh, that, that the employees are saying this is what we're really interested in, uh, uh, you know. And there's another unfortunate situation: uh, seniors, se- uh, those who are older, are, are seem to be more cognizant of the fact that I have shortcomings, and now, now what can I do? And so, you know, we we want those classes to center around how we can uh, provide some immediate help uh, for those youngsters. Uh, uh, you have a lot of parents who are concerned about college planning. I mm-hmm. mean. Uh, uh, they it's a sticker shock for those who have not gone through that, uh, uh, and you, you're not fortunate enough to have a scholarship or whatever. Then you look at uh, what a, what a college education costs. Uh, it, it's a it's a big turnoff if you haven't had any planning. So it, it's going to be based on how uh, what questions, how they address the questions in the questionnaire. Mm. Uh, and then we want to, and I should—I don't want to skip this. It's real important creating the relationship. See, it's not just going; it's the relationship with the employees, the relationship with the company, so they know when coffee's coming that they're going to get—they're going to get the, a quality education. Hmm. Uh, uh, and the employees 
hopefully will start to look at those things and and take away the stress. I know in our conversation with uh, uh, with Hancock County Hospital, talking with the CEO there, uh, his concern uh, it really intrigued me because he says, you know, my concern is stress because mm. stress leads to a disease. Mm. And he, he's looking at us in that way, how we can start to eliminate some of the diseases. Finance is the, is the basis for everything. Now, we can say it, but it is everything. Mm. Uh, and if we can approach it their way and get to the folks where they are and get to the groups where we can spread our information, I feel we're going to be very successful. Hmm. This uh, concept that that you're actually going to folks uh, and in their companies, in their workplaces, I wanted to take that uh, just the next step, a step further, and say you're you're wanting to build relationships. So you go to the CEOs, you go to the presidents of organizations, you go to the folks that are in charge. Um, How are you seeing their connection to their employees? Do you see them having... uh, an understanding of the pulse of their company, that they see the the real problems and disadvantages, perhaps that their employees are facing, or do you do you see companies that are really kind of out of touch? What are some examples of, of what you're seeing? I, I would definitely say out of touch because our, our entire society is is completely out of touch with the priorities we place on finances. Mm-hmm. And but the the wonderful piece is there's been massive study mm-hmm. that we're able to supply to these these HR directors and and CEOs of companies to be able to show them the massive statistics that show how important that is in the productivity of their company. Mm. Let's look at a good example uh, of divorce. A divorce affects uh, each and both individuals dramatically. I mean, so uh, if they're in the workplace and they're going through those kinds of things as a result of finance, then you've already lost that employee Mm. Therefore, you've lost their creativity, lost all that productivity. Uh, They've seen the majority of of divorces originate under the topic of finance, Hmm. and then it just escalates upward. You know, Hmm. Uh, and things happen. People get laid off. People were fired, and all those kind of things uh, as well. So, if you were working and you had a job and the family's functioning, but you hadn't established a pattern of uh, of saving or designating funds for specific things for rainy days and all mm. those kind of things, uh, then it, it comes to haunt you later. Mm. comes to haunt you later. Th- this seems to go to the issue of emotion. Uh, and this is something that, you know, we really don't talk a lot about, but quite frankly seems to be threaded right through everything you're discussing here. If you're going to talk about uh, problems that people are facing, let's say, for instance, in divorce, and how that really catapults uh, folks into a two-way street where they're paying twice for the same things, uh, house, food, you know, all of the basic necessities of life, because they've decided to split up. The emotional toll that this must take on individuals in the marketplace, mm-hmm. in the workplace, mm-hmm. must be huge. And so they're bringing this with them into the workplace itself. Um do uh, companies or do leaders in these uh, companies have any sense of the emotional stability that they see or need to see in their employees? I think they do. I mean, the human aspect of it, I think everyone, when, when, you, when you're actually opening up this topic, can find relatability. Mm-hmm. 
um, I think through statistics, through conversations of being able to, to share these are the things that are going on. I mean, we've got decades of proof that show how, how important, important that is. But I think it goes back to mm. what you were saying earlier about how we need leaders to step up mm. and lead. Mm. And that, that can take place with the CEO or owners, owners of companies to be able to say, you know what, this is important. Mm. And you've given me some good information, and I couldn't agree with you more. And being able to instill that into their, you know, create that culture with, within their organization. The other key thing, too, is that, yeah, we talk about everyone's at different stages. Um, and everyone has a, a situation, a current situation that they're dealing with. Yeah, we're talking about divorces and all the aftermath that take place after that. But what about preventative to get to the point? Because it, if you really were to break down, it's not just money. It's the communication about money. Mm-hmm. The average household, the average spouse, husband and wife fight two times a week mm. about money. Mm. It's, a, it's a topic point. A lot, of, a lot of that's because people don't want to bring it up until it's too late. Or, you know, I want to have a good night. I don't want to talk about this. Um someone's always spending more than the other um there's resentment that carries way and mm-hmm. and builds up to to cause to cause an argument breaking down to the root cause of i mean imagine the ability to be able to start with your spouse and hit kind of grassroots and start talking about these these things together mm-hmm. and building from there mm-hmm. and that's what that's what bringing culture into the workforce a financial culture in the workforce helps to do yeah which is why it was so important when uh uh, Mark, when I was listening before we set in, you were talking about the church. This is where the church becomes very, very important. Uh, and, and those those pastors out there, uh, when there's a, a catastrophe dealing with the inner workings of what's going on in that particular church, they rally around it because it's a rec- they recognize this is this is a danger. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say this to you today. The lack of knowledge in finance is a real danger mm. that's going to impact your parishioners, going to impact your church. What we are looking at right now, we have a board member, a couple of board members are interested in actually opening up the similar initiative that we have with the businesses with churches. Mm. Uh, and uh, I mean, HB doesn't know it now, but he's going to be a part of that okay. uh, <laughs> and getting that word out. Because what we will probably start out with is kind of some group things because most ministers are very busy all of us are mm-hmm. but we can't get so busy we forget the very reason we are busy and what happens as a result of our being busy so, so i'm looking for that to, for them coming out to our place and we're putting in our, our 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 workshops on how they might approach the parishioners and then we could provide educators to come in and start to talk about those things because there again is another captive audience right uh I know the old adage when I was an insurance producer that people bought me before they bought the policy. There it is. So if I if I can put that, that pastor in front, mm-hmm. they are going to be drawn because of the trust and respect they have for uh, the pastor. Right. And uh, allows us to come in and then start to train and educate. Mm. Uh, you know, and if, for example, the, the, there should be, a, the, the ministers would be very happy to talk about the importance and essence, both biblically and what it is to have a sound tithing program. Mm. You know, what the meaning, a lot of people make jokes, ah, they're just taking, no, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and my being involved with the church as long as I have, <clears throat> I finally woke up because I used to say, oh, they're just taking, no, 
there's a real reason for it. Not only that, there's a res- there's a responsibility biblically on why tithing is very important. So it, it, there's so many ways that we want to come in and engage uh, the different groups of people. So it's, I, I think within the next week or so, after I sit down with uh, a couple of my board members, uh, we'll have some project that we can come back and, and, and introduce it mm-hmm. to uh, to the community and, and get out there with the uh, ministers. Denomination is not, we, we don't, that, that's not our, our, we don't care about that. We care about the fact you have those souls that are sitting in the pews who need this education. That's right. This is huge. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the, the issue of curriculum and your delivery system and so on. Um, if there's ever any time that uh, you need a theologian to come in and help you write curriculum, you know, y'all let, let me know. I'd, I'd love to be involved. You're in already that. on the list. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you beat us to the punch. <laughs> I was just writing about money this last week, actually. Yeah, this is a, a huge issue for us when we think about uh, the issue of churches because uh, so often in communities, and we're talking about, you know, little towns around, I, I think about, let's say, I take a little uh, town like McCordsville, for instance. You have major churches there that provide hubs uh, for the wheel of how that that community functions properly. And if you get the the hubs uh, functioning properly, that is the churches doing their job well, it sure seems like everything else should move down the road a little bit easier. So let's take that uh, to the next level. I just mentioned the the phrase here. Um, Tell us about the delivery systems. You mentioned uh, Lunch and Learn, for instance, with the companies. But then I heard you say something about you bring them to your facility. And I also know something about you getting ready to do something on radio. So kind of unpack some of those delivery systems for us. Yeah, well, I mean, just kind of going back to the how, how coffee was created, we really started out in the libraries. We formed in a, a relationship, a partnership with the Indiana Library Federation, which is a part of the American Library uh, Association. And so 90% of all of our classes took place mm. in the community center we call a library, and we still do. Mm. And so really trying to figure out as many ways, again, going back to the meeting people where they're at, finding locations and places that people can come that's convenient to them to be right. able to get that knowledge that they want. Um, we have a facility we, where we uh, are able to open up the doors and we can house anywhere from you know 40 people in one room we got another spot that we can we could host a couple hundred in mm. um, but the idea behind that is 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 being able within you know a five mile radius or so be able to open that our yeah. facility up for that um, but we're still continuing to you know mm. teach our classes in libraries and churches and mm. of course we just started working with businesses and I'm very very excited about that yes Tell uh, is it possible, or am I jumping gun here to talk about the radio issue and uh, some of what you want to do with the radio? No, not at all. The podcast. Go ahead and talk talk about that. Timing wise, uh, this has been on our forefront really for the last year and a half. Uh, We've already branded a concept of coffee talks, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know the idea when when uh, Johan had met with HB and. And uh, we had the opportunity to learn about Radio Next, learn about the mission, how, how community-oriented they were. I mean, it really became apparent that this is a gift, and mm. we're very, very excited about getting getting started with that. Mm. I think yeah, it's just yeah. one more way to reach our message out yeah. to the community. Right. You know, we, actually, we actually have a full podcast studio. Uh, HB is going to be coming out to our place, as a mm. matter of fact. Uh, I guess if you if we were to look at what we're what we're doing is creating kind of a synergy kind of a you know uh, we have a program out at our place called the Collaborate 317 
So it's kind of a using that kind of concept to bring in with the with 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 the ministers. I've learned with the ministers you have to be forthright and you have to be very very direct. Hmm. That's the one thing that, that Dr. King taught me is that when you're dealing with a man who has the cloth, man or woman who has the cloth, you have to challenge the very basic of their their religiosity. Hmm. And you can't shy away from that. So my approach would be just that. How important is, and I start naming some of the parts of the Bible where it speaks directly to the poor. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't do that because I don't want this to be a poor issue mm-hmm. because it is all the groups. Mm-hmm. So what? Well, how interested and how important it is for you to touch the, all the members of your. Right of your of your church, your or your your parish or mm-hmm. your group, yeah, uh, that is it. And then, believe it or not, the success of doing away with some of these negatives as it relates to finance will be through the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the ministers aren't ready for that, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Well, if you take <laughs> a look at like money is a touchy t- topic, yeah, and it's it. it uh, ministers are not immune to that mm-hmm. touchiness, and there's mm-hmm. many reasons for them sure. to be touchy. I think a lot of times, too, I think where coffee uh, is so much different than some of the other organizations, we are a nonprofit. We don't have a product. We're not selling anything. Mm-hmm. Not to take anything away from uh, for-profit entities that go in and teach, right. but the one thing is they've got a funneling system, and they've got a product at the end. We, we do not. Our, our product is to make this world a better place mm-hmm. and, and to, to really raise that bar of, of to be able to help people realize how important embracing money mm. is into your life and, and, and for your children and mm. the children's children. Yes. This, these uh, concepts seem to be so obvious um, when, we, when we're sitting here talking about these kinds of things. Uh, part of me uh, wants to, because I'm an Old Testament guy, I, I believe the First Testament really uh, gives us tremendous practical values toward how do we help people out in this regard. I'm thinking about Leviticus 19, for instance, about the gleaning principle and the, the power and the importance of, look, if you've got a piece of property and you can ha- let others uh, utilize that property, and in this case it was they come in and take the leftovers basically out of the field that, that you didn't get, uh, how, how do we go about convincing and compelling, maybe compelling is a better word, how do we go about compelling those who have and that could be the church, could be the ministers, could be the communities, whatever the case might be. How do you go about compelling people to s- just just start at the most basic level, to see the need, to see the issue? How do you get them there? I, 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 guess, I mean, that, that's a part of the problem. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say we had a pretty good example here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, was there a need for preparation for a hurricane? Uh if the hurricane wasn't on the horizon, even though we knew hurricanes could come. So those who trusted in uh, what the meteorologists were saying and what the different news broadcasts were saying about, okay, we have uh, this hurricane that's coming in. It's probably going to hit Texas. Then people started to plan, but in some cases it was too late. Mm-hmm. Other, others who already had the plan set up, mm-hmm. then they were on time. Mm-hmm. They said may have sustained some damage. The people in Florida are a little different story. They get them all the time, so they had some pre prep, but even with the pre prep, they had severe damage. Mm. So, I guess my point in raising that 
is by having understanding about what a, what a tremendous disaster could be by not understanding finance and not putting the proper things in place, you're going to end up homeless. Mm. You know, and uh, and using the metaphor of the of the hurricane. Mm. So you know, g- going to where they are, getting the men. Well, and I, I depend on the ministers because you know they. I I I truly believe they they have received a, a special anointment by God. Uh, and a very difficult difficult people. I think they don't think that ministers have a lot. To, ministers go through a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Priests, ministers, rabbis. I've been in all those groups. And when you're dealing with the human emotion, which is what that is, and and you're inserting Christianity or whatever that the, the form of faith that you're practicing into that congregation, that's where the challenge is. Now, on mm-hmm. top of that, you have the social things happening that challenge that, which yep. is now we talk about the finance. And I would challenge that those ministers who are interested that we can show how the coupling of those two ends up becoming a winning, mm. a win-win rather than a, a, almost a loss every time, just sure. by presentation and understanding. Mm. So we're talking about two basic principles, uh, at least uh, from what I'm gathering here in our conversation. One is uh, the issue of incarnation. That is, you have to be present with people. You're meeting them where they're at. You go to the libraries. Uh, you're opening your place if they're within a five-mile radius and so on. Uh, but but the second thing uh, that I'm hearing now is is not just the the incarnation, but it's also the persuasion. How do you get people who are leaders, let's say, in a community, uh, to the place where they can say, "Yeah, this is really important. This is really powerful. This is going to be have have tremendous influence in my employee employee relationships or in my parish uh, layman relationships." However, that kind of thing falls out. We've only got uh, probably four or five minutes left, and I want to make sure that uh, we get as much across from your perspective that you guys want to say. So why don't you take the last few minutes of the program and say, uh, tell us what are some of the most compelling needs, what are some of the most compelling issues, and what's front line for you guys in terms of uh, what's on your plate right now? It really, is, it really is comes down to family. Our, our focus is being able to really embrace and, and, and learn and, and be completely aware of a lot of the family struggles and issues that mm. take place in every family. Mm. And for us to be able to, I mean, finance, it's very, very important. It's not the most, it's not the only, but it's a very, very important part of the family dynamics. And if we're able to, to help with those areas, and it really comes down to communication. Mm. Communication is the root. For, for couples to just be able to, first and foremost, if there's nothing else we do other than to help mm. a husband and wife or, or parents and children be able to, to really embrace and talk about money, score. Mm. We have a lot more than that. But if that's all we're able to do is to, to, to help with that priority, then, then, we, then we've won. Because at that mm. point in time, then you can build on, on mm. that. Yeah. So the issue I, I'm hearing now is add, add to the incarnation and persuasion. We're talking about the communication process has to be important within the family unit, within the structure of whatever group we're talking about. Exactly. And you were, you, uh, you were speaking of needs. As I said, as the executive, I'm, my, I'm always in fundraising mode. So in order to put on these classes to, that are always free to the participants, we, don't, we absolutely will not charge one dime to a participant. 
So we look forward to sponsorship dollars mm. uh, that come from different areas, some companies, some church, some come, uh, come from uh, the hospital, all different areas to encourage uh, anyone who would want to participate to go to our web- website, which is coffeeusa.org, and that's one E, C-O-F-F-E, uh, USA dot org and there's that opportunity there to do that uh, and then uh, making sure as a part of what, what Josh was saying uh, getting to the folks who are just in complete denial that is a that's the challenge if we can crack that then we'll I'll be smiling in here because uh, that's where the problem is denial is is not allowing Mm. the new information to come in mm-hmm. you know and I always use this example um, my wife is a psychologist that's what she does and we were talking about coffee and she says you know before you can impart that information the very strong information you're wanting to get in there you got to treat this and she used an example she said a woman's closet so you ladies out there don't kill me this came from my wife <laughs> she said i can go to my closet and you can and you've gone there and made the comment before talking to me she said then there's a whole closet full of clothes some of which we will never wear again for whatever reason either we gained weight or the styles have changed or whatever the situation so use the parts of the mind as you would the clothes take those clothes out make room for the new information mm. and uh that's that's the key. So, getting with the uh, uh, with the ministers is a way of approaching that because they're going to allow that because they've been they've been trained mm-hmm. to sit down and and to eliminate mm. things that people carry around as a as an anchor. Yes. So that, that's why I'm so I'm so anxious to get with the ministers in mm-hmm. that regard uh, with HB's help and some of the others help. Your help for sure, Mark. Don't think you're. You're on there. I think we can formulate something that's going to be really special. Yeah. Really special. This is a, a very important and powerful uh, episode. For those uh, who might be listening to the podcast later, uh, which will be up in a few hours this evening, uh, you're going to be thrilled to hear some of what's available here to us, uh, not only in the Indianapolis area, but around the country, Coffee USA, that's with one E. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And next week, we have a powerful, powerful show. We're going to take two hours in a roundtable discussion about the very important and imperative topic of women in leadership. We've asked a number of women from around Indianapolis uh, to participate. Uh, from all different kinds of organizations who have all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of degrees. Uh, Different ethnicities will be joining us as well, different churches, denominations, uh, you name it. Uh, Those folks are going to be here this next week, so you won't want to miss that. Women in Leadership at Cool Groove Site, radionext.tv, and we'll be back next week at Warp and Woof Radio, and we'll see you then.